I had a thing. I wanted to type in to the Googles. Don't, don't thing. What are the what have the Googles done for me lately that I wanted to do again? Was I gonna look something up? It's normally it what I do with Google. Guys, we were just talking about this before I opened the Google Goggle? in the first place. I would look something up. My internet was broken. What you goggling? I got okay, so let me just go through a quick checklist, right? So I got us recording on the Audacity. I got my book bookmarked. I got Craig going. I got ooh, I gotta hit record on my video. Check. All right, it's a lot of checks. Record. Anthony was saying his internet's not working, but that's not part of my checklist. Um, yeah, I promised there was a reason I pulled up my Google. You were going to look up some characters. I was going to look up the episode number so we could figure out who's doing the intro. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, this will be episode 45. Which is perfectly divisible by three. I think it's Anthony's intro. Congratulations. Anthony, do do. I'm the winner. (laughs) Some circles know Anthony as the winner. Welcome to the A for No B for Yes podcast. I don't know what the voice this is, but (laughs) it's not the Duke and Nukem. Thank you for coming to our podcast. Is that (laughs) that your actual intro right now? No. (laughs) Oh. I'm looking something up right now. Doing all the research. Gotta give him a research. Research. Speaking of which, I have notes. Did I tell you guys that? You have notes? I have I have no I have a book and I have notes. Whoa. The preparation the level of this man is just out of this world. The notes aren't even from the book. Did I rehearse anything? No. Oh. I just got it all written down on paper so you can hear the crinkle crinkle. Hey. There you go. You hear the flipping of the pages. It's going to be like a library up in here. Study session. <laughs> ASMR. Welcome to Zelda Page College. <laughs> you can write a thesis and nobody can complain. Welcome to Zelda 101. <laughs> Will you be able to link everything together to complete the course? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I hope we get everything din in time. Ah, din. So good. Guys. Uh, But my internet is being so... You're coming through pretty clear, my guy. Are you sure? And your Uh, picture quality is like the best it's been. Yeah. Stop checking your ping and just record. But my, I'm trying to go on my browser, and it's just the websites are just taking so long to load. Yeah, I'm trying to find you, you one thing. Discord be chomping your bandwidth, man. By the way, I might mute myself and blow my nose here and there because, yeah, my nose be congested and a little bit runny. I think I have something in my eye. This this recording <laughs> session's going off great so far. This is good. This is good pre-record stuff. Got a good five minutes of just like just complaining about our situations. 
Why are we in such a bad situation? I got dust in my eye, man. The mites are going to war. <laughs> it was your bammer. This is the last dust what? you said. <laughs> this corny is the final frontier. <laughs> I saw him sneaking around behind you. He threw hair in there and then ran off. I'm good when you are. What did we cover on last show? episode? We cover. Was it Goron? What? Was it, Goron, was it Avardania? No, nah, it was the Zonai stuff. Yeah. Ah! We talked about dragons. Alright. <laughs> we had to shoot arrows at dragons. You had to fight a dragon. Alright. It, it was more like you had to annoy a dragon, but we'll go with it. Fighting him. To the A4 No, B4 Yes podcast, the Zelda themed podcast where we go chapter by chapter through Breath of the Wild. This is episode 45. Last episode we covered fighting dragons. And today we are heading to the Garadu Desert to get a nice suntan. My name is Anthony, and I am too pale for the desert, and my co hosts are. <laughs> I'm Ryan Fonzie, and I'm from Western New York, and therefore I am also too pale for the <laughs> desert. And I'm Cameron Hagee, and as you can clearly see by the complexion of me and the camera right now, I'm also not fit for the desert for extended Whoa. periods of time. I do beaches, Crazy. though. Mm. It burns so bad. And Link, actually, uh, when we get there, Link's not really used to the desert either. So we're going to need some stuff to help him out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the desert where horses don't go. Um, so nah, we need camels. I mean, seal, walrus things. There's a few ways to get into the desert. Which way did y'all go? (laughs) Is that fair? Is that a fair question? Yeah, you know, like that complicated. uh, It's like a giant. I want to say Grand Canyon of the Zelda universe because there's a massive canyon. And a bunch of bridges with bacoblins and all that other junk. So that's the way I went. And it was strenuous. It was definitely strenuous. The Rito power saved me so many times there. Because I went, there's a few shrines in that canyon that I wanted to get. Mm-hmm. And I had to climb all the way back up. I used like two of, is it like uh, Revali's Gale? Yeah. Two of them. Only That's almost all climbing set. It was almost the whole thing. I didn't have any more left. <laughs> like 20 minutes. I don't actually know the cooldown time. Yeah. Did you, um, okay, so when if you go that, because that's the Gerudo Canyon, right? Is that what they call that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like actually, last episode, we covered the, the Zonai Labyrinth, which is just outside of that canyon. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually like between that canyon and the desert. It's like kind of a shortcut into the desert if you want to go that way. Uh huh. Because I already had that tower done up, but I wanted to go to the stable to meet my uh, my favorite rush room addict, 
So I ended up going through the canyon at least a little bit. Um, there's also a just side note. I I'm not I didn't do it this time, so I I can't even tell you the story. But there's also a mission to save a set of like four carpenters that you can get, uh, like construction workers who are working in the canyon. So there's Ocarina of Time references abound in this area. Uh, but is their name Sun? No, they're not those carpenters. Different carpenters. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> But they're uh, they're like being held hostage by bacoblins and stuff like that, so you can go through and, and rescue them. Oh, pretty man. cool, pretty cool callback. Uh, we're gonna see a pattern of things we've kind of seen before, but with new twists. Like we're going into the Gerudo Desert, and we're going to meet a Gerudo people, and we've already met some of them in different cities and stuff like that. Like they're all over the place on the map, uh, which is already a little different. But um, we're going to find that they're not a band of thieves. You know, they're not. Um, they're not entirely just consisting of, of warriors. They don't have a fortress that they live in. It's it's just a walled city. Um, things like that, like things that are distinctly different. Uh, but then they're more also... humble. Sure. And then we, we also see that they're. Um, like a lot of the things that were attributed to them, like being a bandit, like there is a group of bandits <laughs> and there is like a fortress. There is Some a fortress. Sort. There is a, um, how do I say followers of Ganon in the area that aren't monsters, but it's not the Gerudo. They're just like adjacent to the Gerudo. So it's like, it's a lot of the concepts from Ocarina of Time era, but dispersed into different groups rather than all being kind of focused in on this one race so i don't know aren't they kind of monsters i mean are they just all wearing skin tight red suits or there's there is their skin just like super red uh, uh I, I guess we'll get into that when we get to that part yeah but i think they're human they're they're hylian they're like uh they come from the same people as the Sheikah. Like, they're a faction of the Sheik. They broke they off were. from them, like, thousands of years ago. If that makes you feel bad. I mean, same no. disease. Well, I only heard the old, <laughs> the old guy, so. Gotcha. The other one's get bananas. <laughs> I only ever fight one of them. Yeah. But uh, my my trip into the desert was was really basic. I'd already gotten the um the tower in my first uh, when we first started. I did like a sprint and got a bunch of towers. Not all of them, but that was one of the ones I did grab. So I just teleported to the top of that and then flew on down to uh, the little oasis town we'll be getting to soon, or as close to it as I could. When I was when I went to the shrine here, <laughs> I specifically remember doing this because I had chips and queso when I was playing the game at this point. And then I got to the shrine. You see where I'm going with this? Classic, I see your face. So, classic gamer food, chips and queso. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the shrine's name is Dako Chise. And when I was playing this part, I just kept going, Taco Cheese, Taco Cheese Shrine. And my girl's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's Dako Chise, it's Taco Cheese. <laughs> it just stuck out to be. I remember it because I was eating chips and queso. It was hilarious. I don't even remember the shrines. I played, I played Gar Gar Bazaar and all this like four weeks ago. 
<laughs> the fact that you that's even, all I remember about the shrine. A, the shrine name in mind. I'm like, yo. I just was singing it like I was going through Car Car Bazaar, like Taco Cheese. The Taco Cheese Shrine, man. Taco <laughs> Cheese. All right. Nice. Uh, so when we get here this time, there's not a ton we can do. Like there's a, I don't know. There's a um. There's a Rito that is like dying in the heat and we're like mood man i get it yeah he just can't get motivated mm-hmm. you need Fly to back man learn how to make uh some some desert survival drink and give him some uh he's pretty grateful for that i mean there's a couple other there's like some merchants around i found there's an there's an arrow shop that sells like one of each arrow which is really sad that's uh-huh. silly I mean, I yeah. bought them all. I don't know. The Gerudo lady that's selling fruit here is really mean when you try to sell things to her. Because in a little while, we're going to need some rupees here. And when I needed them, I went over to her and she's like, oh, a customer. And then I said, I asked to sell. And she goes, oh, is that all you're here to do? Why do you come to me for this? Yeah, okay, I guess. <laughs> I was like, what was I? Oh, what? I get it. <laughs> so there's not really many other options around. Come on. Yeah, there's like what, like three different stands here or something, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, right, well, the first time we show up, there's not much that we can do. I think we have to at least visit, like the Gerudo City once and talk to some NPCs, uh, before yeah. before being able to move forward. Uh, when you when we make our way further down the road. Mind you, I mean, the deserts, I mean, if you want to do a Fonzie's Farms, I mean, there's there's hydromelons everywhere. There's some volt fruits, some warm mm-hmm. safflina. The desert is ripe with uh, treasure chests that are buried in the ground. If you just kind of wander. Some uh, electric safflina, too. On, you can find red, red shining hints. And there's uh, a few more things in the sand, too. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Yeah, we'll get that later. <laughs> I think I think we'll save that for uh for next episode. <laughs> ah. There's a there's a lot. I'd Teaser. Like, we didn't we didn't talk specifically about what our boundaries of exploration would mm. be for this episode. Uh, it's kind of convoluted because it's all one place. Yeah, I guess just to put this out there now, we're splitting up the Gerudo chapter into two separate episodes because there's so much the desert's just so vast guys it's like it's like half the map not really but it feels like it there's a lot of quests in the desert and a lot to do and a lot of sand yeah yeah a lot of ways anakin would not like it here at all no So yeah, so we come up on this Gerudo city, and uh, let me yeah. let me reference the the making of a champion book here. There's a lot of walls, a lot of big Gerudo. walls. Yeah, the the city's completely walled off. Uh, all right, so just a quick, this is like the intro, like all of these things. I'm just gonna read verbatim from the book just so that uh, we're context building right now, right? So the Gerudo, we've met them before, but here's just the description as told by the book. Uh, the Gerudo are a tribe composed exclusively of women who have built a prosperous settlement in the Gerudo Desert. The Gerudo have brilliant red hair and brown skin. They are taller than Hylian women and have more muscular build. Uh, with training, they are easily some of the fiercest warriors in Hyrule. They have their own unique language, and because they are a society isolated by a vast desert, 
their own deeply rooted culture and customs. So yeah, so this town is completely secluded. Uh, there's another note here, if you go a few pages forward in the book, I could even reference a page number. If you look at one, page 139, I know you guys don't have your, you don't have this book yet, but maybe one day. Um, maybe one day. There's just a note here that I wanted to read as well. It says, since ancient times, the Gerudo have held on to a belief that if young Gerudo women interact with men, it will bring disaster. That is why entrance to Gerudo town is forbidden to men. Uh, when a Gerudo reaches the age of marriage, she sets out from the town in search of a mate. One can encounter Gerudo all over Hyrule who are traveling on their courtship journey. Most of the Gerudo running the shops within Gerudo town are married and have returned in order to make money. So, in interesting phrasing in the book, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Like, kind of a sad idea that they get married and then go back to the town where husbands can't go. <laughs> But yeah, right. Don't, don't worry, honey. I'll be back next week. Across the desert. And so I guess the the Gerudo genes just must be so strong that no matter which other race they uh have a child with, it just always ends up being a Gerudo. Uh, yeah. It's there's a, and and we're gonna find out later when we actually do get in because you know if we didn't get in the story wouldn't progress so we might as well just spoil that now. <laughs> Uh, there's tons of kids in this city, tons of daughters running around, mm -hmm. like just, just buckets of them. Not a dad to be seen. Buckets <laughs> of them. Buckets. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's something where every Gerudo, well, not every Gerudo, some Gerudo that we ran into were looking for, uh, success in business. Like we found, you know, the, the one who was in Goron city, who was just trying to find gems. Right. But um, but a lot of them are looking for love. Like we went to that one lovers pond by Lurellen. Like she was on that that track. That's mm. actually one that a lot of Gerudo apparently make. Uh, is looking for that pond because it's kind of like if you can find it, then you're kind of guaranteed to find what you're looking for. That's the idea anyway. So yeah, I mean, a lot of the ones that we found wandering around are kind of doing the same thing. They're looking for they're looking for a man, <laughs> which is. And a strong yeah. man, or as a vo, as they like to call it. I think the the very first, well, outside of the the um, no, actually, this was before I talked to the merchant. Yeah, the first one that I talked to, uh, asked me immediately if I was interested in in something like that. She's like, "Oh, I feel like this is a fated encounter." After she had like just left the village for one of the mm. first times, and I was like, "No, nah, I'm just on a walk." And she's like, "Oh, if that's how it's gonna be, then bye." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's something else you could say to her too. I can't remember what it was. Well, yeah, I'm sure it's like an agreement kind of thing. I didn't. Yeah, it's I like, oh yes, I felt it between us the moment we met, or something like that. And then oh, I'm just going for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> kind of two extremes there, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure it doesn't like become anything. You know, like if you if you even like if you agree, I'm sure like she doesn't really take you seriously. Yeah, I think. Her exact, because that's the option I picked now that I'm remembering it. She says, oh, I don't want a man that's too quick to come to assumptions or something like that. Okay. And I'm like, but you literally just said. <laughs> yeah, you're breaking I feel my like heart. It's fate. Random like, whoa, coming out a little strong here. It's only fate. Like, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't bring destiny into this. Come on now. 
She's the one that did. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we get up closer. Like, then we get to the city, but we can't get into the city. If you try to get in the city, the guards will roll up and kick you out. And if you try to climb into the city, they still find out. And then you yeah. get a scene of you getting thrown on your bum in the sand and they go, yeah. uh-uh, no, they, not again. They like wait till you climb to the top and get like one step towards the city on the top of the wall. And then the alarms yep. go off like there's a man peering into the city. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's rough. Uh, but there's a couple of dudes around the outside of the city who give some hints. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy, I don't remember his name. I don't just, uh, is he the stalker? Is it the guy by the shrine? Uh, the, I think it's the guy by the shrine. Cause the guy, the Benja, the, Benja, is that what you said? Benja. Yeah. So Benja heard, uh, I mean, either he saw this or he heard about it, that there was a guy who was able to get into the city. Uh, but he doesn't really know where they are now. He thinks they might be at Karakar Bazaar. He's like someone who hangs out at Karakar Bazaar was able to get in. Um, this is this is a point that I want to save for later because uh, there's some there's some waters here that we need to tread carefully <laughs> uh, coming up pretty, pretty soon. What? Um, but he tells you that the rumor is that uh, a man was able to make it into the city, um, but he doesn't he doesn't have all the deeds. Uh, there is another guy that we can find running around who's just trying to find a weakness <laughs> in the defense system. He's looking for cracks in the system, this dude. Uh, and this is Bozai. And Bozai, he's got problems. He's, yeah, he's a trip. Yeah. Uh, he's very uncomfortable to talk to. I mean, it, when you're honestly, when you're just Link, he doesn't really have any interest in you. Like he, he kind of talks about like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm just here for a uh, cultural research or something. Like he gives you some bogus reason for why he's running around the city. He's like, but they won't let men inside. It's ridiculous and horrible uh, dudes. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to dwell on him too much, but he does give us a couple important quests later. So we'll return to Boza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we can head back to Karakara Bazaar with the information that we we have someone that we're looking for. Um, and when we go back, if we go into the actual, I think like the arrow shop, right? Like that first yeah. shop. Uh, they'll tell you like, hey, not really sure who it is you're looking for, but there's this, uh, there's this Hylian woman who has been like, who's, you know, up on top of the bazaar you can go talk to her maybe she'll be able to help you out uh so you can climb up to the top of karakar bazaar and meet vilia uh vilia has made waves <laughs> vilia is uh they have some stuff going on they have some some interesting writing behind them uh and there has been debate on what the story behind this character is i think the like the official sites, like if you go to like uh, Zelda Universe or whatever, like they'll they'll already say like this person chooses to identify as a she. Like if you try to call out that, like Link, you literally get an option in game to say like, "Oh, you're a man." Like basically, Inspector Face, and I said that. I wanted to see what the reaction was, so I did choose that, and she just like 
got offended and i was like okay yeah go back in tell her she looks beautiful and then she's willing to help you out <laughs> that's um, one that i used yeah uh in the making of a champion book uh the gerudo outfit merchant is referenced as a he as well uh so there's like conflicting ways to go about this and one one viewpoint is this is a trans woman and it's and the game makes like light of that kind of makes jokes around that uh in a way that has hurt a lot of feelings from what i understand uh and the other uh way to look at it is that this is a person who is strictly in disguise and doesn't want their disguise to be blown and mm -hmm. they are in fact a man <laughs> and they are being a uh like a drag queen <laughs> in order to gain access <laughs> to Rio city uh and in that case if that were the truth the jokes land a little bit better but they're still really awkward and kind of rough the first time i ever played this game i played it in a vacuum uh i didn't talk to anybody about it and the way that i read it was like this is a very old school joke uh on the on the means of like uh mrs doubtfire or something right like this is like Love that movie this is yeah, but like that's that's the kind of thing. I mean, I think even um, the Hobbit movies had some scene in the last like there was a huge war going on, and there was some coward guy who dressed up as a woman in order to kind of hide from going to war, and they yeah. kind of played it off as a joke. Like that's the kind of thing that immediately came to mind when I played this the first time. It wasn't until like listening to other podcasts and reading up on it where I learned that like I if uh if this character is you know if if this is a trans character then Nintendo did them pretty pretty bad here and well culturally speaking japan tends to stay away from that stuff so just on the grounds of that i would assume not this always struck me as oh you need to be a woman to gain access to the city so this is a guy dressing up as a woman so they can go into the city yeah i, I mean, really think there's all too much more to read into in this situation yeah, I like I said, like I never originally read into that. I mean, it, I mean, aside from that, the fact that they are so quick to help you break into the city without really questioning what your motivations are. Uh, mm -hmm. it, I mean, to think they're technically that, helping you do something that's highly illegal, right? I, like, like, as soon as and, we get and, in and we get to like the first main <laughs> encounter, we hear, "Oh, you know, it's a it's a grave crime that what you've committed here." But I mean, seeing as it's fine. Right. I mean, it's um, it's like completely disrespectful to the to the culture of the Gerudo. It's like entirely against everything that they're trying to to do out here in their city. Uh, I mean, given Link is trying to save the world right now, so I mean, he's willing to bend some rules. But this other Give character it. that's like Super immediately givens. like, oh, you want you want clothes to get in? Yeah, sure, I can help you with that. Yeah, you know, I think it was just a clumsy, a clumsy bit of writing here. Uh, stumbled into some hurt stumbled into some some problems but i mean whenever nintendo has done the gerudo thing that's happened i mean we talked for a while about the ocarina of time representation of the gerudo and how that was kind of jacked up yeah. too and they feel never like when you play these games that. you can just like move forward and knowing that however you see the situation however you visualize it if you visualize it as what it is versus what you want it to be. You know, if you want it to be a guy who's trying to break in, do recon, or if it's trans, you know, I think personally, whatever you view, you know, your views are is 
how we should just move forward with it and get them clothes. Get them clothes. Get them Gerudo clothes. So, regardless of what uh, <laughs> of what uh, Vilia's uh, motivations are, links are are pretty straightforward. He's gonna he's gonna dress in drag. He's gonna go into the city disguised as a woman, uh, and he's gonna get called out by a couple of characters. Uh, there's actually I want to say. There's at least three. I mean, two aside from the main quest. There's two other characters that can easily identify Link as a as a man, and um, question how you got in, but also say, you know what, it's cool. I'm not gonna rat on you. <laughs> like I get it. <laughs> so you talk to the old lady. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Sorry. Upon entry, if you do some exploration, <laughs> uh, I guess since you brought it up, uh, Mava. Right, M U A V A, Mava. Sure, Mava. I don't remember her name. Uh, she's a an elder Gerudo woman who is in a back alley next to the uh, Hylia statue because every city has their Hylia statue. This one is unique in that the Gerudo don't really believe in Hylia anymore, um, and they haven't for some time. Their their religion is more based around the seven heroines which is a whole mission that we will get into uh i think i think that's a good one for this episode honestly but uh not right now <laughs> uh so they believe in the seven heroines and so this highly statue has been relegated to the back alleys where nobody really comes and visits anymore um but the person who tells you about this is this Muava, and her story is that you know a long time ago she was apparently just just a, a really beautiful person uh, and went looking for her love, but couldn't find like she went looking for lovers pond specifically, couldn't find it, uh, ended up coming back to Gerudo town and uh, kind of has, has lived the life that she wanted to live. Like she basically says, don't feel bad for me. Like it's fine. <laughs> like I, I got to explore the world. It was great. Uh, but she also recognizes that link is not a Vi. He's a vote. <laughs> so, uh, just has one of those moments of like, yeah, it's not like you might be able to fool most people in the city, but I, I'm not so easily fooled, that kind of thing. Um, one other person who recognizes Link, you gotta kind of work to find because though we've been given female Gerudo clothing, you can find a set of male Gerudo clothing. Uh, and the way you find it is by getting into the Gerudo secret club. Uh, so if you find the doorway, you'll be asked to provide a password that you probably don't have immediately. Uh, but if you go over to the, well, the, the local bar, (laughs) just being, being blunt, you can find Mm -hmm. a a couple of characters who are gossiping, uh, like many (laughs) Zelda games. If you just find a way to listen in on their conversation without them seeing you you can find out the password into the secret club. Uh, you get in there and the merchant immediately recognizes that you are a Vo and offers to sell you Vo clothing, uh, which is illegal. <laughs> Just selling <laughs> Vo clothing is also illegal within the city limits. Uh, it's just interesting because there's not supposed to be a, a, a market for that. Apparently uh, the advantages right. of Vo clothing is that you only need one piece to get heat resistance. <laughs> Uh, well, I think two to get sufficient heat resistance for the desert, but each one has a level of heat resistance built in, whereas the female clothing 
you have to have the whole set and the heat resistance comes as a set bonus. Yeah, so. that's accurate. Cause I have the, I guess we'll get into it in a later episode. I completed Terrytown and bought the Vo from the Gerudo that you, uh, not going to name names, but she, she basically is like a merchant for Vogue clothing. So you can buy that. It's like an alternate set for what you can get in Gerudo Secret Club. Nice. But yeah, I mean, those are just a few other cultural spots around the city. People who don't recognize that you're, you're a Vo. Uh, there's actually a Gerudo school for finding Vo <laughs> <laughs> out in the world. Um, this is the problem I had with your sentence in the book. So it said that all Gerudo are dark-skinned, scarlet hair, whereas this girl in the in the Love Academy is pale and has pink hair. And I thought, that's so interesting. I got nothing for that. I mean, yeah, Vilia is dark-skinned and has red hair. Like I, I watched a YouTube video today. It gave a whole theory about how Vilia is secretly a Gerudo. It's oh. a very interesting theory. They're they're not only dressed as a woman, but they look like a Gerudo. Uh, it's not just the Gerudo clothing, but it's the Gerudo hair and like skin. I didn't really pay attention. Everything. Yeah, no, it's I get it. Um, but I don't want to go into that or buy into that. <laughs> That's a whole yeah. That's a whole thing. I'm gonna let that be their theory. <laughs> yeah, it's like really weird though about at least the girl that's in the Love Academy because when you walk up to her, she's like, N- I think she says some along the lines of like, "No, I'm not a Hylian," or "Yes, I am a Gerudo." I just I don't remember exactly what she said, but oh, there's actually text in the game that like talks about that. She says something along the lines of it, I but would, it was just really. That odd striking to me that she's a Gerudo and she's very different. Uh, the only one. Yeah. So she teaches a class about uh, talking to men, basically uh, how, how to approach a man in the wild, in the wild, <laughs> uh, out in the forest, and how to have the best chances, I guess, at, at actually being able to pair up when you lived in a culture without men your whole life. So um, it's a very strange, I mean, listen, Nintendo's really sh- shot their shot when it came to trying to <laughs> define the Gerudo as a culture that, I mean, this is just, even as just a flavor scene, some wild stuff they writ- wrote in here. Um, Just as a, as an additional joke, there's a, uh, there's a Goron just chilling in the city. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I don't know why I was allowed in here. I'm uh, definitely not a woman. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, I don't think they can tell. Like, I don't think they understand Goron. I mean, which makes sense. Cause they're again, an isolated city. That's opposite side of the map from Goron city. They probably don't know the Goron's whole deal. To be uh, fair. I feel like Goron's also just kind of like, I don't even know. Lack of a better word. They just kind of like, poop a rock and it becomes a goron or like i don't know they throw yes, like a yeah, rock I mean, in a, in a lava pool know. and it becomes a goron like <laughs> we don't know we don't know there's no there hasn't been an explanation for that but uh once again goron city full of kids yep is what it is man then another interesting kind of just 
culture area in the city is you get towards the center of the area past the market there's some steps and some guards leading up to this fancy chamber and right at the beginning of the steps is a woman who is begging the guards for helping her husband who has uh goodness some disease i don't remember if she said a specific disease but some disease that is is going horrible and we're not going to cover this i guess this episode but this quest is there and this woman is in dire need of assistance and she's pleading with the guards and the guards are kind of like yeah we can't really do anything because there's a lot of other problems going on like some Yiga problems. Yeah. And yeah. Yiga. So, right. So there's there's a a training camp uh kind of in the corner of the city. Uh where Gerudo soldiers are are training for combat. They're getting ready to go on a mission. It's a least, barracks. Yeah, there's a barracks. They're getting ready to it's like people you see them training with weapons, things like that. Uh and like you said, one of the characters is saying, you know, her husband has a very specific disease that can only be healed. Using... Oh, well, she's not in the barracks, though. She's outside of it. You said, yeah, she's, she's just steps. like past the market. Yeah, well, she explains her situation is that he needs parts of a molduga in order just to make it <laughs> basically a what? Right, dun, dun. a big a big desert monster. Dun, dun. And the soldiers are like, we're not gonna all go fight the deadliest thing in the desert when <laughs> when uh we're kind of in the middle of a a calamity situation so uh yeah yeah so they're they're all training uh one of their own meanwhile while this training is happening has um gone to try to fix the situation on their own and has gone missing so they're down a soldier they're missing some piece of uh royal property and they have this this sick husband somewhere in the city, and also there's a divine beast wreaking havoc in the desert. All of this yep. stuff is kind of going on at once, and uh, the Molduga man is not the priority. And there's only about probably twenty, you know, two dozen soldiers in the city, well trained soldiers, so they're pretty short staffed. <laughs> yeah, looking like they need a link to step in. <laughs> Is that what they oh, need? Oh man, I don't think it, they they don't really look that way. If I'm being honest, they don't look like they need a link to step in and do anything. Uh, no, they don't. If they weren't NPCs, I'm sure they can handle it. Come on, we know they're just gonna sit there and hit that dummy for the rest of time. So they need a link <laughs> to come in and help on out. Yeah. So we can make our way over to, I guess, the royal chamber. There's a uh, there's like a throne room that we can go into, which they just let you in like nonchalantly. Yeah, there's nobody just, outside. Yeah, go the in. Yeah, uh, the yeah. thing is the, the 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 royalty has their own bodyguard who is uh more than capable, probably Beefy. of protecting. <laughs> I was gonna say a beefcake, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is Bularia or Buliara. Sorry, this is Buliara. Buliara. That's how I pronounce it. It could be Boliara. It could be Valeria. I don't know. It's Bolero of fire. <laughs> the Boliara of Either fire. Either way, she's a bull. <laughs> All right. She's a New bull. Theory. Uh, New theory. 
Yeah, so sorry, we come in here to meet Riju, and Riju is the current Gerudo queen. Or she's just a kid. She's not, she's not, yeah. She's just, I believe they refer to her as a princess in the game, right? Yeah, I think so. Gerudo leader, what have you. Uh, so we can go meet her, who, and she also recognizes that we are a Vo immediately. And, of course, Muliara jumps on that and is like, you cr- you've committed crimes against Skyrim and her people. And, like, <laughs> and uh, Riju's like, hold up, hold up. Like, we might actually, like, it's not, he's not just a Vo, but also likely to be the hero we need right now. Yeah, I like how this conversation starts. She's like, oh, hi, how did you get in here? <laughs> Yeah. Like immediately like oh you know she knows what's up yeah oh, shoot it it's funny because this is uh this is like a secret callback and i want to bring this up just because like we haven't we didn't do this but for a while i've been tossing around the idea of uh doing an episode about the gdq beta content showcase from well from last year That'd be 2022 for anyone listening to this in the future, uh, where they part of the part of the showcase was them going into uh, Gerudo Fortress as Kid Link by using the Gerudo mask. Um, apparently, that was that was like a scripted thing that almost was in the game that you were able to do uh, that they changed. The thing about it is that most of the Gerudo fell for the mask. Uh, once you did some things to upgrade your mat, like you could upgrade them so they actually have abilities and the Gerudo mask would Ooh. get you into Gerudo Fortress as a kid. Uh, and most of the Gerudo would be fooled by the mask aside from Naburu, who you could meet as the current acting leader of the Gerudo. Um, I mean, like they were still under Ganondorf at the time, right? But but she would mm-hmm. be the one who would spot and be like, yeah, that that mask doesn't fool me. Like, I know who you are. <laughs> like, you're you're just a kid. Like and actually has a conversation with you about, I mean, it, it kind of goes on to to similar paths of what you do see in the game of, uh, you know, like I'm not actually in league with with Ganondorf, like, like maybe you can help us out with something, that kind of thing. And she teaches so... you the second half of the Song of Time, which is like mind blowing. But that's again <laughs> conversation for if we ever do that episode like there's like lore built into that game that is uh really cool as a zelda fan saying that this fits into your theory for the second game that i know you were talking about you wanted that to be stages like some of the the npcs in breath of the wild so you saying like there's a possibility for riju to be the stage essentially like naburu was because she was able uh... to spot link well, that's not where I was going with it. Oh. <laughs> so that's an interesting add-on. I was just saying that this is a callback to something that never actually made it into the Ocarina of Time, but almost did. Mm. Um, it did make it into Majora's Mask a little bit. There was no Gerudo Mask in that one, but there was the Stone Mask, which a lot of people use to get through the Gerudo Fortress in that game. They just call it the Pirate's Fortress. They're not actually referred to as Gerudo. Um, but it's the same character models and everything. So when you in Majora's Mask, it's just a side note. Again, when you go through there, you're wearing the stone mask. Nobody can see you. Um, so again, a, like a disguise esque situation going into a, a fortress of all women. Um, and 
in there, there's a uh, there's a leader, like a pirate leader, who will challenge you to a series of like four different fights as you go through. Uh, might only be three. I don't remember how many eggs are in there. You're you're. I remember. Yeah, you're you're going through to collect MacGuffins, <laughs> and before you get to each <laughs> one, you have to fight the the leader of of the pirates. And um, every time she jumps down, if you're wearing the stone mask. She'd be like, "Yeah, that mask doesn't fool me. Like, I I can see through that. Basically, uh, it's like it was like a little thing just written to get around the fact that you're not gonna escape this mini boss fight. Like, it's a scripted event. Like, you do have to win this challenge to move forward and just kind of sidestep. Like, oh yeah, you're wearing the stone mask to get through here without being spotted, but she can still spot you. So, so this theme." Like there's like a pattern that's been happening since uh, late '90s. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is in this game of the the leader of the Grudo will always be able to see through your disguise and and tell who you really are, which is kind of cool. She is the wisest of them all. It's spiritual juju. Spiritual juju. Did you just <laughs> get out of here? Reju in the power of juju. All right. She's invoking the spirits. So, so Riju, after discovering who you are and having this conversation, uh, tells you about how she wants to deal with Naburu, but in order to do that, she needs her special helmet that protects her from the lightning. And you're like, what? Lightning? Yeah. Naburu You get scared immediately. It's just like... Naburus. (laughs) Naburus, sorry. Naburus. It's, yeah, I think I always Naboris. spell it with two O's like an idiot, but it's an it's yeah. Naboris. Naboruto. And they, they kick up a big old sandstorm and apparently shoot lightning because that's something that camels are famous for. I actually went over to the giant sandstorm that it's kicking up and there is lightning going on in it. And at one point, <laughs> the entire thing uh, cleared up because one giant bolt came down like 50 yards in front of me. And then I got a little cutscene of the electricity on its back turning off like it was done with the electric storm for now. And I actually had never seen that cutscene before. Huh. Mm. Interesting. No, yeah, I've never it seen was like while well, you're in the sandstorm, you see electricity going on in the clouds all in the background. And then one just shot down relatively close in front of me. And then the cutscene happened. I was like, huh. Okay. And the sandstorm stopped too. He got tired. Tuckered out. Interesting. Poor little feller. Huh. That's crazy i went i didn't see that cutscene. i just got targeted by it it's massive unavoidable almost electric shock because i tried to go to the shrine out in the middle of nowhere where there's an injured gerudo and she's dying of thirst for some alcohol because that makes sense it's gonna help and yeah it's 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 gonna get her back to gerudo city <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I was standing up there talking to, I don't know her name, and she's like, I need a moon drink or whatever the drink at the bar is called. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember. But it's called the Noble, noble Pursuit. Noble Pursuit, there it is. <laughs> and I'm just drink. standing there <laughs> talking to this girl, Give me the moon and juice. all of a sudden, I see like a little bull targeting go, and I'm like, uh, 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 what, what, what's going on? And then I'm trying, I'm like cycling through the conversations, like, okay, 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 okay. And then I got jammed by electricity, fully loaded, 
Almost kidding. Vanna Boris was taking no prisoners in that desert. Yeah, I, and I didn't even know he could go that far. Uh, yeah. So I never got targeted because I wasn't that close. I guess I was just close enough to be in the lightning storm. Huh. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> He's like, you're not doing the event yet. Die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... So we gotta go find that electric helmet that they're missing. Yeah, we gotta go find the helmet mm-hmm. and the helmet. And it turns out we already talked about it, but the they instruct us to go to the barracks and they really only tell us kind of the general location of where we're going, and also that one of theirs has gone missing trying to go there by herself. And yeah. one of them was keeping quiet about it for two days and they don't want to run around the entire desert like eight times as punishment, which is what their captain apparently did once before. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. So uh Bertree is that military leader who first is like, we don't have time for you. We're in the middle of a crisis. And then when, once you get Buliara and Reju's go ahead you go back to her and she's like, Oh, okay. Well, as long as they want you to do this here, let me go point out the direction and you can go handle it. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, wait, what's up? Wasn't that Teak? Teak? Who's Teak? The the leader person of, of the barracks is Tiku or Teak or something like that. So who's Bertree? Oh, I don't know. Uh, all right, Teak it is. I just remember making a pun out of out of Teak's name. All right, so we are directed to go to the Yiga clan hideout. Yiga boys. Yiga Kabsu Valley. So, the Yiga. We've talked about them briefly before because they show up after we visit the Sheikah. Start attacking us on the roadways in their own disguises. Uh, and being a nuisance. The further along you yeah. get in the game, the more of a nuisance they become. Uh, I, I talked to this lady, and she's like, Hey, happy travels. The tree looks really beautiful this time of year, right? And you're like, yeah, it looks really beautiful. And all of a sudden, she's like, oh, well, it's going to be the last tree you ever see. <laughs> she turns into a Yiga, and I'm like, ah, oh, what? Yep. Exactly how that goes down. Yeah. There's one who's like, would you like to buy some bananas? And you can be like, nah, I'm good. I don't need no bananas. And be like, how dare you refuse bananas? <laughs> like, turns into a Yiga and attacks. And that's yeah. a whole thing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So So we're going to their hideout. Yeah. Creating a champion. Let's get some blurbs real quick. Yiga Clan hideout. Okay, so this is the hideout for the Yiga Clan. No kidding. A group of assassins who splintered off from the Sheikah after being oppressed by the royal family of Hyrule and now worship Calamity Ganon. Huh. Alright, the entrance is hidden with in a room. Uh, built into a cave deep within Carusa Valley. The space has a Japanese aesthetic, and red lanterns hang down from the scaffolding. It's an interesting way to put that. Starts with oppression. Uh, apparently, they were oppressed by the royal family, but it doesn't say why. Because uh, it says, now they worship Calamity Ganon. I feel like the worship of Calamity Ganon would have been the reason that they were oppressed by the royal family, but hey, what do I know? Uh, there's a, another thing here, a developer's note, right? From lead artist, structural artist, Manabu Takahara. Uh, the Yiga clan are descendants of the same people as the Sheikah who live in Kakariko village. 
Those shared roots are why the design of the Yiga hideout contains the same Japanese motifs as Kakariko Village. Their leader, Master Koga, is kind of silly and has a goofy, likable personality. I also gave him elements from Japan's Bon Adori dance and temple festivals. The Yiga routinely gather around Master Koga and hold nightly events with mighty bananas as prizes. Uh, however, they are still assassins trying to dispatch the hero who and who worship Calamity Ganon. I combined a number of elements into their design, including the fact that they exist in the shadows and have no hometown or village, only the Yiga clan hideout, which is actually an old Gerudo archaeological site that they snuck into and made their own. Hmm. So that's a... Uh... I would love to see like a pacifist run of Breath of the Wild where Link just waltzes into the Yiga hideout. He's like, hey guys, come on. You know, we both <laughs> like bananas, right? Let's Let's get along. Come on. You you know, let's worship the same guy over here. Come on. Let's go kill <laughs> Calamity Ganon. Calamity I won't oppress you anymore. Sorry, no, I said let's not worship <laughs> Calamity oh. Ganon. Let's go beat him. Let's go uh, play some prizes, some games, and get some bananas. Come <laughs> let's, on. Let's what, just, what do we say, huh? What just, do we say? You coexist, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. Just just come over here and worship the guy we worship, and I'll give you 10 bananas per fellow. Come on, 10 bananas. <laughs> you guys love those things. Come on. I think it's hilarious that there's text in here that they have nightly events where they gather around Master Kogo and win bananas as prizes, though. Right. Because, like, awesome. you can see that room in the game. Like, you can go into a room where there's just, like, a stage in the middle and little stands all around. Um, I thought that was, like, a training room. Apparently, no. It's, a, it's like, a festival, a nightly festival. Part of me wonders if you sneak in here without having triggered the mission or, you know, like, if you yeah. just... You said you can't. I actually tried to go here before I got the mission to come here. And the normal spot that's open that lets you walk into the first room with all the tapestries you, you choose to burn, uh, that door is closed. There's just a wall there instead. So you can't get in before you trigger mm. the event. Huh. I tried. Because the, the room where you fight Master Koga is open to the air outside, though, I think. Yeah, I think you can, you can get to that room. But I don't think... Uh, I don't know if you can get into... The inside of it through that way, though. I don't know if you can actually activate the turnable door from the outside. Oh. I think you can just get to that area, walk in that chasm, and see that giant pit to nothingness. Interesting. And then maybe not get back out. Wait, I don't know if you can get in at all. Like, There's a door blocking the other one, so you probably just can't even use Magnesis on the door. Oh. That's probably not even triggerable until you get the scene to go in. So we would never just know that thinking... they have these events if it wasn't for this book. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Added lore you can only get from this book. Uh, yeah, so this first room that we get into, what I will say for now is that there are eight statues in a circle around the room. Um, and in between each of them is a tapestry that we can burn to try to find the way forward. Uh, from what I remember, the way forward is actually just straight ahead. Like, you don't have to play the guessing game too much if you just whichever way you came in just shoot forward <laughs> and you can keep moving but there are treasure chests uh and you know keys and stuff like that in the different rooms if you just want to open them up and collect your rewards or fight your battles uh i i opened everything because i can't go through a game without opening everything i see <laughs> so <laughs> I think there, was, there was either a sapphire or a ruby in one of these chests yeah yeah nice and stuff. I think 50 rupees in another one. So this, I mean, this whole place is just filled with 
uh treasure treasure it's lots of it yeah it's like uh how the how the gerudo and ocarina of time were obsessed with treasure now it's the now it's the ega <laughs> that are obsessed with the treasure uh but i mean i guess they gotta fund their egoing somehow right the yeah i mean Yiga. like every single yiga that you kill in the wild drops like one to two bananas at least almost 20 rupees and if you're lucky you'll get like a sapphire or something like that so they they're all rich basically i mean they're rolling some deep pockets in those got them banana farms (laughs) (laughs) the banana monopoly (laughs) oh no it's a banana mafia (laughs) they are and we can find their stash too Okay. So, uh, yeah, this is a, uh, technically it's a stealth mission. Uh, I failed stealth once and I thought what would happen is that I would get like thrown back to the beginning or there'd be some kind of failure mode. No, they just all get into a big fight with you. Uh, if you trigger the alarm and I was doing pretty good until I died. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was, well, they're there, really hard so yeah yeah there was a couple of like wind cutter dudes and they both teleported right next to me so i was like trying to hit them with a major spin attack and i was hitting both of them when i wasn't paying mm. attention to my life uh like my actual you know health meter and then i ended up getting sniped from some dude in the corner while i was doing that and i, I just went down for the count if i remember uh... how it went down like it just Oof. Like I almost had all the big dudes in the room down together, and it was like, no, nah, it's just too much Mif- else Mif- going Mif- on. Grace wasn't enough. Yeah, no. In the first room, where you find the imprisoned lady, uh, Berta, whatever her name is, I actually yeah. separated the two big dudes and went toe to toe with them, and I stole their wind blade. It's actually not that good. I think it's like thirty-five damage or forty. Would you it's electrocute like, them? And there. Make them drop I mean, it's it? got a cool weapon art, though. Right? <laughs> Shoots a giant wind arc out. It's. I'm keeping. I'm saving them. I got one up on a, a display case. Yeah. It's just so hard to get. But <laughs> yeah, like I th- think they one shot you. Like yeah. if they hit you at all, you're done. At least in master well, mode. Yeah, you're in master mode. Yeah, in master mode, I think that's how it is. In in my game, you can handle a hit or two. I mean, if you if you encounter one of these guys out in the wild, it's one thing. Um, there's actually some methods where they have attacks that end up sending wind that you can use your glider to kind of like counter. You can just kind of fly up on the wind and then not get hit by their attack and close the gap that way. Um, so I don't, I don't know if they do all those same moves inside the, the hideout. Uh, definitely not. But those, those weapons also aren't very durable because they're, supposed to be like op a little bit but if i I at least all the ones that i've had they've broken way too soon um but yeah some big beefy guys uh (laughs) hey if y'all were wondering if uh, ancient arrows work on these guys uh they i was watching your stream (laughs) when that happened i told cameron (laughs) 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 he's gone you can send a like a like a like a Shika, um, splintered off member of Brethren. this of this gang, uh, just into the ether. 
<laughs> with it. You, you send it back to the calamity war. Send him back to the coding room. <laughs> just get out of my game. <laughs> you just hit him with a delete stick. Uh and it, it works. I didn't expect it to work because because of like the fact that they're humanoid. I thought that might have been too dark, but nope, game lets you do it. You can actually get a free ancient arrow too from Beetle and the yeah. Bazaar too. So just go ahead and use it. Why not? Send them to the ether. He also tells you about Robbie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. From the mm. bazaar, he tells you about Robbie. Yeah, that's. He says if you go way up. up to the tip on the right, past whatever landmark you think it's, he tells you it's past uh, Zora's domain, that you'll find wow. a mad scientist. Like it's really exciting, but also kind of scary. Beetle man. <laughs> Can see Beetle saying that he's gone all over the world. Doesn't tell you a hint about the northern tip of the map until you're at the very like southwestern part. Yeah, right. You know the opposite side of Hyrule. Yeah, I was over there the other day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the teleporting Beetle man. The heat's getting to his head. It's like you you put a teleport coin down in one of the stables. And then you go to like the desert in like a Kala, right? And then you go to the desert and you're like, hey, what's up, Beetle? Teleport. And then you go to the stable and he's there and you're like, oh, I do that all the time. He's faster than light. (laughs) When I'm short on arrows, I do that exactly. I just, I just teleport to all the different shrines right next to the stables and just go from Beetle Mm. to Beetle and grab grab a bunch (laughs) of arrows. It's the new measurement of the fastest speed out there. The speed of Beetle. Speed of Beetle. He's he's basically the postman. Yeah. <laughs> From the old game that would challenge you to the foot race, you know. He's just always there one mm-hmm. second before you. He knows he knows fast. his market, you know. There's only customer. He's gotta he's gotta track the market. <laughs> he does really good at it, man. I don't know. <laughs> uh but yeah, Yiga Hideout is uh it's very um I mean, I, I, I love the look of it. Like, I love, like, the, the stacked up boxes and the hidden banana room and, like, all the different treasure chests that you can find and tapestries that you can burn down to find hidden paths. There's, There's just, so much here. I don't yeah. think I've ever mm-hmm. found in any of my runs up until this point, I never found that uh, area where you can climb up a ladder, like, right next to where you have to go. Yeah. And there's that little room that's got... Um, spikes sticking out on the top, bottom, left, and right, so you kind of have to climb up and then glide into it. Yeah. And there's two chests with 300 rupees each in there. Yep. And then throughout the rest of this place, between just hidden chests and the chests in the final room we're going to get to before the fight, there's like four topaz, a ruby, and like 100 rupees, as well as a whole stack and then a couple of sprinkled bananas here and there, too. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the idea is that the bananas are for distraction, because sometimes they just have, like, uh, a stick trap that's, like, a little platform with, like, one stick holding it up, and it's got bananas on top. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> like one specific member was like, this is where I keep my bananas. <laughs> and you know what touching uh, my bananas. And you can just knock down that platform, and the bananas will fall in a convenient location for one of the members to get distracted by it, so you can just kind of run on through. I actually chose riskier distraction techniques for most of it, where I just put myself out, and then the question mark appears, like, hmm? And then I'd go back around the corner, and then then walk over, and then I would run around behind him and just get to where I had to go. There was only one guy that I I had to get past him by. I was up on the ceiling because it just happened to be easier the last room, and I just dropped some bananas off the top, and he's like, 
Three bananas just walks on them. When when I got in here, I had seventeen ancient arrows. <laughs> so oh no! I, uh, what I did was I found the the Yiga that was blocking the the door to the next part of the critical path, and he he would be the unlucky oh, customer. <laughs> and that way, I could just like kind of glide on over and just leave the room without anybody stopping me. So. <laughs> So I only had I to use like two fashion. or three arrows the whole time I was in there, but I did just kind of cheese it. <laughs> mm. so when you're up on the rafters from uh, extra cheesy, like right where the, the the critical path is, I just bomb arrowed it up. <laughs> I made a big boom in the corner of the room where kind of like where the wall is, where the banana stash is, and then they all were like, what? and then they all ran over to it, and I just glided right in. Oh, you can just distract him with noise like that without them seeing yeah. you. Yeah. I wonder if you could just use a regular bomb instead of a bomb arrow, like the infinite ones you get from your sleep Sheikah slate. Just like put a bomb over that, there and but... then run over and blow it up because, you know, I got my resources, man. They're limited. I mean, I know you probably have 700 bomb arrows because you're 18 million amiibo, whatever they are. Amiibo cards. Close to yeah. 200. Yeah. Close oh, to 200. goodness. I have like 21, maybe. <laughs> so I have like. I have 199 arrows. I've Ooh. been I've been hitting up the extra streams a little less lately, so I'm actually starting to like have reasonable numbers of things rather than high numbers of things like bomb arrows. So I can't just be th- throwing them around all willy nilly anymore. Fonz is dwindling. I don't know if you want to know my rupee count, but it's it's over fifteen thousand. Oh my goodness gracious! My, I think I have seven fifty. But I've bought just about every piece of gear I've been able to buy so far. So that's probably awesome. you, that. I think I'm at like a three good amount. grand right now. But I also have like the Dark Link out. Well, the Dark Link outfit doesn't cost rupees, but I have it. And the skeleton armor from the Grudo Secret Club, along with the Vo clothing, like I just, mm. I like that. Just all those sets armor. that I've been able to buy, I've just bought them as I've gone. My my Keep my link is a clothes source, even though he doesn't ever wear anything except for Chica gear anyway. <laughs> that stealth mission. So yeah, I mean, I mean, even the run we didn't talk about this, but even the run up to this fortress is really cool because it's got the same like wind chime plaque things that the Chica town has, and uh, mm. they have like the the toad statues that you see all over Hyrule, but they all have like Yiga face masks. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just like random Yiga guys outside of it. There's like two on their own, and then a group of three you fight on your way up to it. Oh yeah, that that fight with against the three was fun. Like that was. Uh... I shredded those guys. The first one, I had yeah. my big weapon. I was boop, boop, <laughs> and then the other two literally popped up right next to each other, like two feet apart, and I just ran up to both of them and boom, 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 and they both <laughs> and they both went down, and I was like. That was so easy. I know, but just just the set piece, like you run up and there's a bunch of those toad statues all lined up around, and then they all appear out of nowhere at the same time, and you're like, "All right, let's do it." Yeah, <laughs> like it's like some might have been ninja. It's time movie. to dance. Just walk up to that cool looking place, and oh, there's three ninjas around me. Yeah, it's good stuff. I think I was using a Lazalfos boomerang at that point, so it was especially fun. <laughs> I was using like a two-handed rock crusher weapon, so I was just smashing schools. Nice. Uh, yeah. I didn't try to fight any of the big guys inside, though. I was pure stealth. None of them spotted me for more than like two seconds, and they only saw me when I wanted them to see me. <laughs> <laughs> 
There was no stealth gear either. I don't have the the stealth gear in this uh, playthrough. I didn't buy it. Gotcha. Mm -mm. So, I have Sheikah's like outfit. Yeah, that's what he was talking about. That's the stealth gear. Yeah, I don't have that. No, but like, uh, no, I'm sorry, not Sheikah's actual Sheikah's stealth outfit from the amiibo. Oh, like her headdress okay. and and outfit. Yeah, it it does the same effects as the Sheikah one. Just looks cooler. Is chic. Sure. Uh, so yeah, so eventually we make it to the festival room that also looks like a training room. There's like targets for for uh, archery and I don't I don't even know what else. It looks like stalls like that you would sell fruit out of or something like that. Just all around. Yeah, like a little market. Yeah, with like what looks like a mini wrestling ring in the middle, but I guess that's a stage of some kind. Uh, and this room confused me, even though I played this game before. <laughs> I did not know what I was looking for. And I went into this room and I left this room and I came, I, like I left and came back a couple of times thinking, Oh, this must be like a side treasure room. And I missed the critical path somewhere. And I think that's, <laughs> that's when I ended up finding like that side hallway that Cam was talking about with the mm -hmm. 600 rubies. The spikes. Yeah. yeah. But it led right back to like the same main room that you go through. And I was like, well, that's not anything. I checked all the corners. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I just need to go to that room and figure out a way through it. So I like, I climbed up to the ceiling to see if there was a way out the top. Nope. <laughs> like, I did I all kinds of stuff. And then I um, just turned on Magnesis and it was like this whole wall just lights up. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I remembered this time because I had such a hard time with it the first time I played this game. I'll probably never forget what to do in this room because I ran around it for 10 minutes until finally, like, I think I missed one of the chests. And I was like, oh, hey, look, this is still here. And I turned my magnesis on to get the chest out of the ground. And that's when I saw the entire wall light up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, yeah. no. And then that was where you have to go. So now every time I walk in that room, I don't know which wall it is, but I'm like one of these walls. <laughs> It's one of them. There, there was like a unique tapestry on it too, or something. Like it wasn't like they they put yeah. some kind of marker there, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But it doesn't look like a bomb wall. I think I'm even tried to bomb it, and nothing happened. And I was like, huh, all right, must be something else, because <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I guess I'm in the wrong place. No, you're in the actually the exact place you need to be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is how we get out to our fight against the one and only Master Koga. The silliest fight in the game. So silly. Wasn't Master oh, Koga the name of like the poison gym leader? Yes. Gen 1 of Pokemon. And then in Gen 2 he becomes an Elite 4 member. Elite 4 Koga. All right. Spelled differently though. That, that Koga is spelled K-O-G-A. This one is spelled K-O-H-G-A. So he is Kahoga. Gotcha. Not really. Koga. <laughs> Koga. Uh, and Koga has been hitting the bananas pretty hard. No, just kidding. Uh, oh yeah. He's he is a uh, a different kind of Yiga man. He's got a banana belly. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and he has a super special secret technique that's the same every time. And the ball gets bigger. The ball does get bigger. Uh, he's like, yeah. What's up? Yeah, no, I was gonna say like he's like what uh, 
just a character in Naruto, right? Like he's like, oh, I use my ability. Well, let me power up and use my ultra secret super ability, and it's like the same exact ability, just better. <laughs> he's like a typical Naruto villain, marginally just, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so he's a. Uh... Like, I mean, the developer even said, like, he, he's got this fun and likable personality. I mean, the dude's just a, a ham sandwich. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe him. He's, like, super into his own uh, jutsu techniques. And, um, like, all of his, all of his uh, attacks revolve around giant metal spike balls that you can just kind of magnesis and mess up. Also... Well, I, don't, I, I don't, don't think the first ones you can magnesis because I tried. Oh, no. I mean, he makes a, his giant mass appear, right? And then he floats it in a big circle around himself. And your job is to hit him when it's above him so it'll fall onto him. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, he just spawns it above himself. And all you have to do is hit him. It doesn't rotate. Then he moves to the middle. They start spinning around him and you have to time it. And then he just does one giant one that you just magnesis and toss into his head. Right. <laughs> and then he ends the cutscene. Like he, he like his the, the last way. one is just him. D- he ends himself. He ends himself. He's, He's like, like, this one might be a little too big for me to control. <laughs> My family's technique is so powerful. And then like, as soon as he's done saying that, the ball just slowly starts <laughs> rolling back towards him. And you just see from Lake's perspective, the ball rolling backwards. You hear, ah, ah, no, no, ah. Falls down the pit of despair. <laughs> By his own My head. favorite part of him is where he's like, do you think I'm just going to let this stand? Do you? To be done in by this guy. How could I? <clears throat> I almost lost my temper there. <laughs> Wait a minute. I know what to do. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> and then he just talks about, like, this is the end, and then creates that massive ball that you just mentioned. Yeah. Like, it's going to be the end all. Like, Link, no way he can take care of this. <laughs> Nobody can, can we talk about this ball. man's power level? I mean, the dude can move quite literally at the speed of light when he does his like little spin back to the center and he can levitate the man levitates yep. and he can't beat us he has all these powers well i think that's oh, part, part of the problem is that he's too focused on the show of it right like he's just yeah he's he's too busy being a goof to to take it the battle seriously himself he's like yeah, oh too i know many I nightly rituals uh, to go into his head yeah, I mean, the fact Nighty that he's, festivals, his I last mean. thing is like, oh, this is going to be so big and powerful that I might not even be able to handle it. But you know what? Grandpappy's final flash. You know? Grand, <laughs> Grandpappy. And then at the end, when... Metal ball and wrecks himself with it. And then at the end, when he wrecks himself and falls into the pit, he yells at you and calls you a coward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, coward! As he's falling, he's like, What? <laughs> How could you like, breathe on my ball? <laughs> Push it back. Like the Yuga clan is going to track you to the ends of Hyrule. And it's like, are they, though? You're kind of in they, a pit. I mean, they are. Guy. They are. The clan yeah, still they, they do. after you. They do. Honestly, though, I feel like I would have liked it more if it was a little more um, 
like you had a part to play in the ending. Like at one point he summons a ball that's almost as big as this one. It's not quite family secret level technique of ball, but it's a pretty darn big one. And he's like dragging that around at you. I would have rather like he had his power kind of like a drag or dragon ball Z beam struggle where he's like pushing it towards you slowly because you know, he kind of sucks. And then you use your (laughs) magnesis and you push it like right back in his face and push him off instead of it just rolling back on him. What about yeah, this? It's very accurate. Family secret technique versus family secret technique. Uh, oh, no. by your uncle. Spin attack Spin versus attack. the giant doom ball. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a great ending. I mean, maybe if you hit it with some stasis first. <laughs> yeah, stasis it, spin it out, and then knock him in. Yeah. There you go. Oh goodness! But that's not what happens. He rolls back on himself. He uh, takes himself out of the show. Yeah. So we. Uh, it's too bad. We win. I hear that pick goes all the way to China. <laughs> we get. Oh yeah. For <laughs> rule. Yeah. Fine. But it goes through a wormhole. It goes all the way to the island of the windfish. Wow. Goes into the dreams. Straight to Terminal Man. Takes <laughs> a Terminal with him. <laughs> So we go to purgatory, though. So we get our helmet back. We get Riju's helmet back, I should say. Uh, it's way Royal, too big for Royal Heirloom. Uh, and we can take it back to Gerudo City. And I think I want to cut it there. Mm. This part of the the game, anyway. This part of the cast. We will continue our main story another time. Uh, because Gerudo or the Yiga, sorry, the Yiga clan hideout is what I wanted to cover in terms of critical path. Uh, but there are some side things that we can do that I did want to still talk about. If you guys are still with me. Going through a tunnel, going through a tunnel. (laughs) Okay. Well, gosh. All right. So this is, um, you're losing me. It's all, it's all connected. It's all connected, man. Just trust me. It's all connected. Is it? It is. So I know I told you guys we we kind of just bounced off of this character, but um, uh, Bozai, right? Mm-hmm. Bozai is the boot man. Like that's really why he's in this game. He has sand boots and he has snow boots. Um, so one of the missions is to go and get a picture of the eighth heroine because there's a a. Uh, a set of statues in the desert that has seven, but there's a legend that there wasn't the a legend and it was kind of removed from that area. Uh, and now it's in the Gerudo highlands. So he sends you on this mission. I'm pretty sure he lends you the snow boots for this mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is the only time and place we can obtain snow boots ever in the game. Yeah. And you're going to have to give them back. Well, yeah, temporarily. <laughs> you have to give them back. Uh, so you go and you can get this picture of this eighth heroine statue. Uh, I'm not going to go into where it is. I'm just going to kind of say that for it's now. It's not somewhere you would expect it to be. <laughs> it's it's not exactly Nowhere in the, the other ones. I'll say that. <laughs> um, I mean, it's in that region, but it's not very high up. Uh, and then hmm. when you get back to him, you have to give him back the snow boots, and I think you can get the sand boots, right? Yeah, he gives you the sand. He shoes. gives you the sand shoes. 
And so you get the sand shoes, but Link isn't satisfied with that. Clearly, he wants both sets of shoes, which, I mean, as a player, that's what I want, too. I want all the shoes. So. <laughs> and so then he literally. Fashion of Zelda. When, when you say that, he goes, ooh-wee, you're boot thirst. That you have a boot thirst that cannot be slaked. I'm like, bro, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, so so he decides in his mind that he's going to give you an impossible mission, uh, because you would never go back to the highlands without snow boots, right? That would uh, be preposterous. That would be preposterous, unless you're like me and you already got all the pictures you needed on the first trip. <laughs> oh, so he sends you to go find the picture of the. Eighth heroine sword, which happens to be up in the Gerudo Highlands, actually in the Highlands, and actually a lot easier to find than the statue. So, no, having played the game before, I actually just the first time I went up there, I just got pictures of both things. Um, so that when he was like, "Go back and find that other thing without the snow boots, and then we'll talk about these sand shoes," or you know, or then we'll talk about the snow boots, right? Uh, and I just had the picture, so I just turned around and just talked to him again. He was like, oh, I thought you would never be able to do that without the boots. <laughs> You're like, ha I already did. Ah. Like, you underestimated me. <laughs> uh, I mean, he even makes comments about the fact that your girl kind of contributes to the fact that you wouldn't go back without the snow boots, which is, you know, <gasps> man's foolish. <sighs> I just love this man's, like, set of speech. His linguistic style, yeah, I, I love it. He he has a way with words. Okay, <laughs> I have I have some of his quotes here, and oh, they're no. just hilarious. They're just hilarious. Like I have to cover them. One of them is, so yeah. Hey, the name's Bozai. I'm 35, single, and I love jogging, especially on sand. <laughs> and then another one is, hey. We didn't get a chance to spend much time together earlier, did we? Whoosh! Total whirlwind. So, like, want to hang out? And then my favorite one is when you uh, ask him for the, for the snow boots, too. He goes, I mean, sure, I'd love to give them to you, you hungry little boot monster. But first, a favor. <laughs> The man is is hilarious. Uh, okay. <laughs> He's I don't, a legend. I don't love him. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> Just being honest. Aww. I just, I mean, he just, he just has a really, uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's this, this really rough theme going on about. Hylian dudes who just want to like get into the Gerudo city or see the Gerudo. And yeah, it's uh, it's skeezy, <laughs> it's pretty bad. He looks like one of those guys that in anime, like he has the glasses and his his eyebrows are titched upwards, and he's like, mm -hmm, I, I could get in there, you see, <laughs> like one of those guys. Yeah, is that the bathhouse <laughs> guy? <laughs> Uh, good old Bozai. Yeah, got Bozai a Bozai sure. with Bozai. <laughs> the Bozo, maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So he, I mean, he tells you about this this eighth heroine statue, right? So a little bit about that because that's, I mean, we we skimmed over that earlier. That's the meat and potatoes. Yeah, I 
out in the desert, there is a set of seven statues and like some like smashed base looking thing with them. Uh, it's actually a shrine puzzle. You go around and you figure out which ball goes into which platform. Uh, so there's there's seven of them out here, and once you get all seven in their respective places, the shrine comes up. Um, it might even be a blessing shrine, something pretty simple. Once you figure it out, it's like, oh, well, you made it this far, you know. Uh, and so the eighth statue is supposed to be a mystery. Like the, I guess there was this like this legend of an eighth heroine, but you can clearly see that this eighth heroine was banished effectively like they they removed the statue tried to erase their own history a little bit uh send this eighth statue off to the highlands to basically sit out in the cold uh literally and figuratively right this statue doesn't fit the agenda uh and i'm guessing they, Get it out of here. I, mean, I don't know if they flew it <laughs> or what because they apparently the sword got dropped somewhere in the top of the the highlands and the statue itself ended up in like a canyon somewhere. They hired the Gorons to do it. <laughs> <laughs> they had the Rito or carry it around. Yeah. Uh so if if you are familiar with the series, this the number seven's gonna stand out to you. You know, like there's seven sages, seven maidens. Uh, seven wise men, etc. Seven heroines fits right into that same uh, narrative, aside from the idea of this eighth heroine being a thing. I mean, they each even have their own like unique symbol that, I mean, I haven't tried to line them up with anything else in the games, but uh, it's just, it's very clear that they were making some kind of reference here with that. Aside from that, I mean... I know seven is known to be a lucky number, but seven is also a uh, prevalent number in a lot of uh, world mythologies and religions. Um, I know we talked about seven chakras, right? Um, in the Bible, seven comes up quite a bit. Uh, you can go go into it. And if you want to look up like seven I am statements or, you know, the seven days in a week or not necessarily a scriptural thing but like seven deadly sins like there's like seven comes up quite a bit uh there's seven notes in a musical scale like the eighth note is a repeat of the first note right so it's it makes an octave which is you know oct eight but it's like there's eight notes to get there but it's technically only seven notes in the scale uh between those two um and so the number eight as opposed to seven like some of the words that kind of go along with the number seven is, you know, complete, whole. It's a perfect number in theory. Like uh, eight is seen as, uh, for people who are into numerology, it's a more like, it, it means more than that, like more than enough, more than perfect. It's like, it's usually associated with things like prosperity. So again, considered a lucky number in a lot of cultures, Buddhism specifically has some interesting associations with eight, uh, being that there's a you know an eightfold path. There are eight petals on a lotus flower, and for that reason, like eight is kind of a big deal. Um, a lot of people see eight as a number of a new beginning, kind of like how we talked about the how I was saying about the notes in a scale, like eight is like the next thing. Or biblically, there's places where eights come up specifically when. Uh, like the big one that gets referenced a lot is that like eight people were saved on the ark in the big, you know, in the flood. 
uh, eight turned on its side is an infinity symbol, right? So eight is about, it's like the next thing. So when I'm thinking about this game and I'm thinking about this eighth heroine, my thoughts go to seven has always been the number, right? Seven has always, like traditionally in the lore of Zelda, seven has always been your full set of sages. In Ocarina of Time, you had six sages plus Zelda, who was the seventh, and that made your full set. Um, similar with A Link to the Past, you had seven maidens, one of which was Princess Zelda. Uh, I mean, I don't know anything about the seven wise men, <laughs> but I'm guessing one of them had to be royalty. Uh, but it's always been seven. It's never been up to eight. So it makes me think that eight was false. Eight was like... The reason that it was rejected and sent to the Highlands is because eight was a um, was a false heroine. It's heresy. It was too much. Yeah, it was like, and I imagine that that eighth uh, probably came with the idea of being some prosperous new beginning, right? Like it was probably like, hey, it's not just seven. Guess what? Here's eight. Like it's a new thing that we're doing, and eventually they got kind of found out to be. I don't know, nefarious. <laughs> it was a hoax. How dare you add uh, one? So, uh, some interesting things to note about that is that, one, when you first get into the Yiga hideout, they have all eight statues together. Like, I know the book says that it's an archaeological site that they took over, but they still have all eight statues in their entryway. Uh, same swords and everything. It's clearly supposed to be the eight heroines, uh, and they all have Yiga masks on. Um, another thing is that if you go up to the sword up in the Gerudo Highlands, uh, there is a, a golden broadsword, like one of the Gerudo, like giant claymore swords stabbed into the ground right next to the giant statue. Uh, and there's a moblin that's just sitting there staring at it. Hmm. Uh, which to me is a set piece. Like that's not there on accident. That's not like yeah. his weapon. Like he's there. I mean, I even went down and fought him. He didn't even try to pick up the weapon. He just came at me uh, with nothing, which was really interesting. Um, but to me, that's a, that's a signal that this eighth heroine, I mean, I don't know if all the heroines in the lore of this game were supposed to be a Gerudo or what, but the eighth one definitely was. I mean, according to what I'm seeing, and if the Gerudo, or, or sorry, if the Yiga are still, like, they kept the eight statues together, to me, what, what I'm seeing is a, is a past Ganon situation. Like, this is a Calamity Ganon, not necessarily as a human, but for some reason, there was an evil, either they, they themselves worshipped Ganon, or they were a reincarnation of Ganon, and they were this false eighth heroine, uh, which is kind of a wild concept to me. Like, I don't exactly know how to fit all that together, but that's a theory that I'm I'm having about the lore of the situation. And like you're saying, saying, like, way back when Calamity Ganon first became a thing, <laughs> which yeah. was before the war, is like around the time that this statue was kind of it on out of there because uh, they're like, well, Gan is obviously a bad guy. He turned into this giant swarming pit of malevolence, so we're <laughs> gonna stop uh, having him as part of our uh, whatever our religion or our uh, yeah tribalism. So yeah, uh, I think 
So we talked about last time, like the last episode, we talked about like the Zonai, right? And how there were three different statues. There were dragons, owls, and boars, but all of the boar statues were destroyed, right? Um, I think this is a similar situation where there were eight heroines, but the eighth one is, it's not exactly destroyed, but they tried to get rid of it. It's outcast. <clears throat> and I think that these are either telling two very similar stories about the past. Or mm -hmm. they're telling, you know, this is a this is a, a major stretch, but they're telling the same story. Um, yeah, I can see that. You were saying like back in the time when Calamity Ganon started, not only did they remove this because of that, but also around that time is when the Zonai decided to destroy all of their boar statues since maybe Ganon took on that form, so they wanted to stop worshipping it. Yeah. So it seems like in every belief system or every historic religion in this Hyrule, there has been an instance of a Ganon or a reincarnation of Ganon or what have you that has found its way into it and has been like rejected eventually or overcome, right? Uh, so everywhere we see anything that's related kind of gets destroyed. Um, one of the really interesting things about this situation with this eighth heroine is that in the Tears of the Kingdom trailers, we've seen a very Gerudo-looking figure in the dehydrated Ganon <laughs> that's <laughs> under the castle, mm -hmm. uh, like wearing Gerudo symbols, wearing Gerudo jewelry. Uh, and, I mean, though it, it definitely looks like a decrepit, like mummified man of a character, um, so I, it wouldn't really fit the bill of heroin, I don't think, in this case, but... Uh, it's, uh, it's worth noting that this wouldn't, have, this wouldn't be the first time <laughs> that, that the Gerudo have had some kind of interaction with a Ganon. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of like, like I, when I saw the, the stinking Gerudo greatsword stuck in the ground in front of the, the eighth heroine sword, like it just, like I freaked out. I was like, you gotta be kidding me right now. <laughs> like this is, yeah. Like it's so it's such an obvious thing and it's just there. Has it been there this whole time? Um, it's proof. <laughs> it's proof. Let me get let me get my tinfoil hat. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what threw me off was I can't remember who exactly said it. I believe it was someone kind of upwards near Akala. Or maybe maybe it was in the Tabantha area. I think it was in the Tabantha area. They said that one of the seven had the power of flight. Hmm. And it kind of made me think maybe it was a Rito. They were like, it was like rumored that one of the seven heroines could fly. And I'm like, uh. uh. So, yeah, there's actually a, um, you might be thinking of this, this entry in the book again. Uh, we didn't read this one, but if I can find it, I will. Of course, I always lose my bookmark whenever I need it. <laughs> uh, if you guys just give me a second I can find it Hold on. alright well in the meantime since you were talking about the Zonai and the seven heroines I kind of updated my theory since we now talked about the Yiga and their whole you know allegiance to Calamity Ganon so I believe the Zonai you know having Cameron mentioned that the boar statue is being destroyed 
I believe the disappearance of the Zonai, if we talk about the Tears of the Kingdom 2 trailer, I believe that to be, since they were very magical, maybe they just up and put all of their magic into kind of trying to contain Calamity Ganon. And in containing Calamity Ganon, they lost their physical form and ended up being some arboreal supernatural essence of energy that essentially is holding back calamity ganon from something worse far more power which is kind of like my new improved theory from last week like they turned themselves into a barrier to withhold him more like yeah like, like they built like the magic withholding device to contain calamity ganon and it's the same color um, their magic is the same color as luminous stones which are throughout hyrule so i believe that might be where they derive their magic and i believe they probably just disappeared trying to make the ultimate like you know carry hyrule on their back scenario by holding back calamity ganon and in doing so like you know, there's like the splinter group Yiga, who I think were actually, if we're talking thousands of years ago, I think the Yiga and were directly in relationship with that war. Because you see like a bunch of cave drawings mm-hmm. uh, in the Tears of the Kingdom 2 trailer, which kind of resemble like ancient Sheikah looking warriors. Um, it kind of kind of resembles like Yiga a little bit. And there's also Zonai warriors there as well. So it was like a cool little tidbit. I think the Yiga and the splintering of the Sheikah and the Zonai issue are all related in one big event. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how you were touching on. Huh. I think it's all one big, massive, just something big happened, man. Yeah. There's, there's, there's one big mystery we don't have yet. <laughs> uh, okay, I found two two entries that are related to what I was just talking about with the eighth heroine. Um, one of which uh, is this part at, where it's talking about the Gerudo. And it says that the, uh, the Gerudo's religious beliefs are a departure from those of other races of Hyrule. Uh, they worship the seven heroines, seeing them as divine protectors. There are seven gigantic statues of the heroines in the East Gerudo ruins. Uh, and according to the Gerudo archaeologist Rotana, each one possessed a different power. Skill, spirit, endurance, knowledge, flight, motion, and gentleness. Uh, they are now the patron deities of those attributes. Uh, meanwhile, the goddess Hylia, worshipped throughout the rest of Hyrule, is lesser known. Gerudo Town's goddess statue can be found forgotten in a back alley. Hmm. Um, I mean, if you really want to, like make some theories assign something <laughs> yeah i mean we have four champions right so that's a start one of which does have the power of flight uh you could argue that uh daruk has the power of endurance uh you could say um i mean we haven't or really says met strength. yet uh well skill i think there wasn't strength as a oh skill Skill. I mean, you gentleness could, could be Mifa, right? Gentleness could be Mifa or spirit, but I think gentleness fits the bill closer. Wisdom um, could be Zelda. Not yeah, knowledge would be Zelda. I think. 
Um, and which one are we missing? Or are we not? I think we said all four, right? Flight was Flight was um, Ravali. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be five of the seven, which would leave motion and spirit. Or motion and gentleness, depending on how you look at it. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know that we met anybody who fits those descriptions or if those will be new characters or what. But, I mean, even even what I'm saying is just a guess. Like, that's not... Oh. I think Beetle is probably motion. <laughs> Beetle so sage. fast. If they make Beetle a sage, I will, I will die laughing. <laughs> be like, what about um? Where did, where did Ryan go? Why isn't he here for the recording? And then, like, and then Tingle can be the other one. Have to put. Remember your theory about? Uh, I don't remember his name, but the kid that was in Lurellan Village. Zuda. Could he not be spirit? Zuda could be spirit. Zuda, he, I mean, he could be. He's not, not a very fast motion. walker, so I wouldn't give him motion. <laughs> just being real. Seemed like a spirited <laughs> kid, though. Um, maybe, could be a maybe, Korok. Uh, maybe like Paya or something. Like maybe a Shika. Yeah, Paya definitely. Could be spirit. She's kind of shy, though. I don't know if she's that fast. I feel like she might be gentleness then because uh, she's so shy. (laughs) I don't see her really hurting anything. She could be gentleness. If Mifa was spirit, then she could be gentleness. That still loses motion. Beetle? (laughs) Come on, we solved this one, guys. Sticking with it. (laughs) All right, Beetle it is. The the old rushroom man. What do you want from us? The mailman comes back in the clouds. You see his hat. It's like, I'm here, kids. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> little little rabbit on a red cap. Here we go. But yeah, they all have powers. All right. So the other thing, other locations way over here. Uh, it talks about the summit. Uh, it says the summit of Greater Highlands is covered in snow and has a massive stone sword plunge into it. Uh, there is a legend that the sword was once wielded by a forgotten eighth heroine, but that is dismissed as myth, a folk tale offshoot of the legend of the seven heroines passed down in the Gerudo region. So even the book is kind of like, eh, it's, you know, it's a thing that might have happened. <laughs> definitely happened. Something <laughs> definitely happened. There's yeah. a whole... Else that statue wouldn't have been there the first 200-foot statue. If strength or power was going to be... A po- like that would be a very valid, like eighth attribute. If like there was an eighth and it was a Gerudo, mm-hmm. yeah, it could also be courage and Link, but I don't know why he would be outcast. Right. Well, I don't think courage ever was a one of the seven, right? Because Link, that was Link's most, yeah, Link you was, know, Link adhered to. Courage. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it would. It, it, Link has never been a sage, you know. Like he's never been a part of the like the wise men. He's always been the knight of high rule or whatever. So, uh, don't know if. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, neither has Ganon though. So that's. I mean, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Like he's not supposed to be a part of it, or I guess she, as a heroine, was not supposed to be a part of it. If we if we see in the next game, like 
canon history of a female Ganon, I feel like that's gonna like that's gonna make waves. Like that's gonna like people are gonna be like so surprised and like happy about that. Linkle versus Ganna. It's like the <laughs> Linkle versus Ganna. And every trailer's just been a lie so far. <laughs> uh so that I wanted to bring that up because that's like some major details that stood out to me. I don't know if they would even be a part of the story of Tears of the Kingdom, but uh, it's definitely a part of the story in this game um, in terms of just like world building and stuff like that. So uh, saw it, got excited, wanted to share about it, but I think that's all I wanted to cover for that. Um, I mean, I feel like there's a good chance that almost anything that you could read into in Breath of the Wild would be something that could be referenced in Tears of the Kingdom because they they kind of just like aside from references and names and some amiibo rewards, some DLC costumes. Yeah. There's not really too many huge like throwbacks to the Zelda universe. They kind of just went like mm. we're a million years in the future. Woo, here's all this yeah. new stuff. So the, the new stuff they introduced in Breath of the Wild, I feel like there's a high chance that they'll use that in Tears of the Kingdom because that's really what they've given themselves to work with. They didn't bring a lot of stuff back from the series. Yeah. Obviously, Zelda, Link, and Ganondorf are there, and they're still the Master Sword, but yeah, you don't see I mean, a lot of characters yeah. like Tingle around. Yeah, they make... I mean, this game is full... I mean, especially with geography, the references are crazy. Um which I know I think how they word it was like every timeline that ever occurred in any instance of Zelda ever to have ever been trampled upon of Zelda all converged into one timeline at some point and the parallel stopped and then it was just one Hmm. but like really far in the future so that's why there's like aspects of everything in every game and every timeline there's yeah, like Majora I mean, stuff, Ocarina of Time stuff. Yeah, and a lot of it's just the naming convention. It's not even like characters in the game. It's just, oh, look, the Trilby Highlands are here. That's weird. That's a Minish Cap thing, you know, like stuff like that. Uh, stuff will just randomly be named uh, after characters and places in other games. Uh, you know what and, I just remembered? What's that? Uh. I know we haven't gotten to this part yet because we're going to save it for next, but a certain somebody wields a certain weapon and it kind of fits into what we're talking about because it's called the Smitar of the Seven. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I know. I mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But there's there's more to like when we get to our next episode, there are going to be a few key lines that play right into the theory I talked about today. <laughs> So, oh, okay. So um that's part of why I wanted to start now. Uh but we are almost at our two hour mark, at least for my recording. I know we started yeah with like five minutes of nothing, but still. Uh I think if you guys are good, we can start wrapping this up. Heck yeah. So everybody, that has been our episode of A for No, B for Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to write to the show, talk to us about what theories you have, what you've seen in this area, what your experiences were like, uh, you can do that right on our website, uh, which will be linked in the description. Uh, aside from that, you can find us on our Instagram, on any of our social medias. Uh, go check out Emotionals if you get the chance. 
Uh, but yeah, we will catch you all in the next episode where we actually get into this divine beast, uh, Vana Boris on A for No, B for Yes. Did you get all that?